0: I wonder, is there anybody in the room who's just thankful for the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Yeah. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've been asking the Lord that over the course of this entire month, that He would baptize people in the Holy Ghost, like He did on Pentecost. I've been asking Him, not just people who have never received, but people who have received, And need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've asked him to do that for us. Our staff has been asking him to do that for us. And I believe because it is his will. I said it's his will. He will hear us. And he will answer with yes. We're going to be starting a new series today entitled The School of the Spirit. I'm not going to teach a lot. I'm going to preach because when I talk about the Holy Ghost, I get real passionate. I get real passionate. We will have some weeks in here where there's teaching because teaching disrupts deception. I said teaching disrupts deception. So there will be a few weeks in here that I'm going to teach. We're going to talk about tongues, why they're still for today. We'll talk a little bit about that today. We're going to go in depth. Who is the Holy Spirit? We're going to go in depth. But today, we're going to read this scripture, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to go to work. And God is going to do His work. Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you today that you would illuminate our heart. That you would speak to the hearts of your people. That you would break down the barriers and the walls that people have put up toward Pentecost in your spirit. And I pray like a flood you would come rushing in this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who is ready for a fresh baptism, shout amen. Before you're seated, look at somebody and ask them, do you have it? Do you have it? And you can sit down this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In our text today, we find that there are three baptisms that are represented in Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. First and foremost, let us define baptism. The word baptism, when it is used the most in the scripture and here in this text, is a Greek word that means to dip, to plunge, to overwhelm, or to drench. To dip, to plunge, to overwhelm, or to drench the first baptism that we are introduced to we are going to talk about last somebody say yes we're going to talk about the first baptism last the second baptism we'll talk about first and the first ba- the second baptism we are introduced to in this text is the baptism of john is john's baptism somebody say john's baptism John's baptism. John's baptism was a baptism unto repentance. You've got to understand something. If I could help you understand John's baptism in the context of the full reality of Scripture, I would tell it to you like this. John's baptism was preparation. It was preparation. John was preparing the people. That the work and the way that was coming was no longer going to be an outward work, but it was going to be an inward work. Say yes. It was going to be a work not of outward appearance, but a work of the inside. You've got to read your Bible. Somebody say yes. You've got to read your Bible because in Mark 1 and 4, the Bible said John came baptizing from the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance, listen, for the remission of sin. In Luke 3, he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. In Matthew 3, he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Well, in the Old Testament, the remission of sin was done by the blood of Lambs and goats. Yes. So John was preparing the people that what is coming is no longer going to be a remission by the lambs and the the goats' blood, but there is going to be one lamb who is going to die for all people one time and for all. and, and, And that is what John was preparing them for, that it was no longer about the sacramental rituals and it was no longer about the religiosity of the temple that the lambs and goats would be slain but it was about an inward work. John's baptism was an inward work. The economy of the New Testament did not exist yet. John was the last Old Testament prophet who was preparing the way. His whole ministry was preparation. I stop here to ask you, if God only called you to a ministry of preparation, would you be okay? Because John never got to see the full reality of what he was preparing for. John never got to see the full reality of what he was in the wilderness preaching. He was in prison and he had to be told. The lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the deaf ears are being opened. He heard what he had been preparing for, but his eyes would not behold it. So then we are introduced then to a second baptism. And it is the baptism that Jesus instructed his disciples to do in Matthew 28. When he said to them, go therefore into the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now John's baptism was unto repentance. Jesus' baptism was unto faith in Jesus Christ. So when, here in a couple of weeks, we pull out the baptismal and we baptize people in water, it is a sign that we are saying, when you are plunged in the water, you are being crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and when you come out of the water, you have now risen with Christ. It is not just unto repentance. We ought to bear the fruit of repentance. But it is not just unto repentance. It is unto faith in Jesus Christ. It is a public confession where we are saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe in him. Are you with me? Romans 6 verse 3 says this. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So, we have covered the first, we've covered two of the three baptisms. John's baptism. Jesus instructed baptism. And then there is the third baptism and we're going to stay here for a moment. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to understand something. There are people who will take one scripture and who will make a doctrine out of one scripture. They'll make a doctrine out of one scripture. And in this text, the doctrine often sounds like this. You have to be baptized in water before you're baptized in the spirit. This is inaccurate when compared to the rest of the Bible. Let's just stay in Acts. In Acts 10.47, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost before they were baptized in water. In Acts 2.38, in Acts 8.38, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost while they were being baptized in water. In Acts chapter 8.15, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost after they were baptized in water. Are you listening? So you can't make a doctrine out of one scripture. If you've not been baptized in water today... That doesn't make a difference when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay? All right. Now right. We're going to switch gears a little bit. You got about 10 minutes of teaching out of me, and I think I'm going to switch into preaching gear now. So Paul comes to Ephesus. And he comes to what the Bible says were some disciples. Everybody say some Some One translation says that they seemed to be disciples. They they seemed to be disciples. And so when Paul approaches the situation, Paul has to ask a diagnostic question. He has to ask a question that is going to give him the best understanding of the situation that he has just come upon. And this is the question he asks Have you received since you have believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you have believed? Now, back about a year ago, I, I've, I've got bad allergies, I, I used to have asthma. And about a year ago, I was struggling to breathe. Well, okay, that sounds like certain, uh, sounds like another disease that's on the earth right now. So I called my doctor, and I did a telehealth thing. And I just explained to him, I was saying, you know, I I really think it's allergies. I just need an inhaler, uh, just an emergency inhaler. And, and, And he did not give me an emergency inhaler right away you know what he started doing he started asking questions because he had to diagnose what was happening before he knew how to proceed he said oh, can you taste can you smell friend I'm fine. I'm good. Are you, is your back hurting? Always. (laughs) Are you not getting enough sleep? I've got three kids under five. It's just part of life. He said, When did this start? About three weeks ago. And at the end of it, he said, Okay, well, I've ruled out the virus. He said, I'll write you a prescription for an inhaler and you can go pick it up. What Paul was doing when he arrived to Ephesus was he was diagnosing the reality of the discipleship of these men. Because in the Bible, discipleship apart from the baptism of the Holy Ghost did not exist. Mm, Okay, I know I just offended maybe a portion of you, but you can't read in Acts that wherever the disciples went, their mandate was believe on Jesus, be baptized, and receive the Holy Ghost. And and I, I find a problem that we have in the 21st century church is that we are asking the wrong questions of people we are asking them what kind of gifts do you have what is your personality type how long have you served can you preach can you sing what talents do you have what abilities do you have and we elevate them best play based on their abilities and based on their talents and based on their gifts but we're not asking the simple questions have you received the Holy Ghost since you have believed because you can have all the talent in the world you can have all the gifts in the world. You can have the best character in the world. But if you haven't received the Holy Ghost since you have believed, your talent, your ability, and your character, your charisma means nothing when you get into the presence of the Lord. If you've not received the Holy Ghost since you have believed, Paul was saying, I question whether or not you are a true disciple. I know it's tough. I know it doesn't match our theology. But I'm here to tell somebody, we've got to have a Bible theology and not man-made theology. (laughs) Have you received the Holy Ghost since you have believed? Here was their response. We didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, you say, I used to ask the question, how in the world could Acts 17.6 say these men turn their world upside down, but these, these people don't know there's a Holy Ghost? How, how can that be? But then when you actually read and you get into the inferences and you get into the cultural context, you come to understand that these men were not in Ephesus long. They had not been there very long. They they did the, the word had not reached where they were from that the Holy Spirit had been given. It was, not a, it was not indicative of John's teaching. It was indicative that they had not been in the region long to learn that something had been given and it's for everybody. For everybody. He said, we didn't even know. And you know what? You might be in this room today and you might say, I don't know what the Holy Ghost is. I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. I don't know what Pentecost is. Let me tell you something. Today could be your day that everything changes. Today could be the day that everything shifts because when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Bible said in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There is no greater gift than the Holy Spirit. There is no No greater gift given by God than that of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you why. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you might wake up in the middle of the night and where other people would be stressed. You've got joy. You might wake up in the middle of the night and where other people might be oppressed. You've got freedom in your mind. You might get up and go to the doctor and the doctor tell you you've got a disease that we can't cure. But when you've got the Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter what the doctor said. It doesn't matter what they diagnose you with. when you've got the Holy Ghost you can walk through fire and not be burned you can walk through water and not be overtaken you can walk through the storm and not be taken out when you've got the Holy Ghost today everything could change for you he He promised, and when I say he, I mean God. He promised it in the Old Testament. What you've got to realize is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was never in anyone. You will never read in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit dwelt in people. He always came on them for ministry, came on them for preaching, came on them for declaring. But he would prophesy. He was trying to prepare the people and their heart that there is coming a day where the Holy Spirit will not just be on you, but but he... He will dwell in you He will not just come on you and then leave He will come in you and He will stay In Isaiah 44 and 3 The prophet said I'll pour water Upon him that is thirsty And floods in the dry ground I'll pour out my blessing in your seed And my favor upon your offspring In Hosea 6 and 3 He prophesied that He would come unto us As rain, as the former and latter rain In Joel 2 He prophesied and said and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions and on the servants and handmaidens I'll pour out of my spirit. In Proverbs one twenty three, he said, I'll put my spirit in you and I'll cause you to walk in my statutes. In Ezekiel 36.27, he prophesied and said, I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways. In John 7, before Jesus, the Holy Ghost ever came, Jesus stood upon the last day of the feast and Christ saying if any man be thirsty let him come unto me and drink and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water and this spake he of the spirit if it's coming out of me that means it had to be in me it had to be here and Jesus was prophesying to them that there's coming a day it's no longer going to be on you and then leave when you're done ministering it's going to go in you it's going to stay in you you're going to go to bed with it uh, you're gonna wake up with it uh, you're gonna go to work with it uh, you're gonna be a husband with it uh, you'll be a father with it uh, you're gonna church with it uh, he shall be in you and Jesus would continue in John 14 and he said, don't be afraid, because if I go, I will send you another comforter. Now, you've got to read your Bible with the with the eyes of the Spirit, because the Bible said that another, the Greek word they used here, another, it does not mean a different kind. It means the same kind. Jesus was saying, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you another comforter who is cut from the same cloth that I came from, that he is from the same makeup, that I came from He is of the same spirit uh, That I am made from I'm telling you this morning We did not get a second rate Holy Ghost uh, There is no different divisions of the Holy Ghost uh, There is no junior Holy Ghost uh, There's no senior Holy Ghost uh, There's no big people Holy Ghost uh, There's no little people Holy Ghost uh, There's no Him Holy Ghost uh, there, Come on, just, let me talk to you for a minute uh, I know there are some people That want to say, well, well The Holy Ghost just moves better when we do this and when we No, no He moves better when he finds people who say, come and do whatever you want to do and say whatever you want to say. We'll take our hands off. We'll loose the chains. Come be who you are. Uh Jesus kept prophesying in John 20. His disciples have come to him. And the Bible said he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Ghost. And then in Acts 1 and 5, he said to them, John truly baptized in water. But there is coming a day not too long from now where you will be baptismal, drenched Overwhelmed by the Holy Ghost. Uh, There's coming a day that you're going to be plunged into something that is far beyond what your temporal mind can understand. There is coming a day that you're going to be plunged in and drenched by an entity of which you cannot explain until you have experienced him. And then... In Acts chapter 2, and on the day of Pentecost, they were gathered in one room, in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting, and cloven tongues of fire sat on each of them. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Now we're going to stay in Acts 2 for a minute, but I'm going to close out Acts chapter 19. Paul laid his hands on them. The Bible said they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Mm. One of the chief... Purposes of the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of proclaiming. Listen to me. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Peter, we're going to see it in a minute, begins to preach, proclaim. 10 in the household of Cornelius, the Holy Spirit falls and they magnified God and spoke in tongues. Acts 19, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. One of the reasons that we find the earth in the predicament that it's in is that the Holy Spirit has been confined to the church house and the church has been silent because we've said, well, we'll just let the political figures figure this out. We'll let the political figures handle this one. When God is saying, I didn't put the Holy Ghost in you to shout, and dance and and run and have your church services I put the Holy Ghost in you so you could stand up and say let righteousness reign in a nation open your mouth and speak okay so first we, we see the sounds suddenly there came a sound as a rushing mighty wind The disciples, because of their knowledge of the Old Testament, would recognize that this was an act of a sovereign God. How many times the Bible in the Old Testament talks about the winds on the plains? They would also be able to recognize that this was a sure sign of Pentecost. In the Feast of Pentecost, as God was establishing on Mount Moriah, the Bible said that the people would look up and they would see fire come down on the mountain and a great wind come across the plain and historians of that time would tell us that the people could hear the languages of God. Come on, you can go look it up for yourself. They could hear God speaking in different languages and dialects that sounded like trumpets. But the first thing we find is the wind. You got to understand something. Spiritual wind belongs to God. I can't make the wind blow. You can't make the wind blow. Only people who are submitted, who are consecrated, can experience a spiritual wind. uh, Amos 4.13 said he created the wind. Psalm 104.3, he walks on the wings of wind. Psalm 147.18, he causes wind to blow. So the first thing we hear is wind. The second thing we hear is tongues. Somebody say tongues. Tongues, let me help somebody. Tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God wants to give you a heavenly language God wants to give you another language that you can't make up you can't fabricate you can't try to put syllables together God wants to give you that it's supernatural you can't make it happen It is the initial evidence that somebody or someone has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And today God's going to do it in Jesus name. He's gonna do it right here in this altar for people who are hungry for it, people who are ready for it. I just sense that in the room there are people who who your your stomach, your insides, if you will, they're just kind of in knots right now because you feel like this is for me. This is the day. I'm gonna experience this. Some of you don't know what you're experiencing, but you're gonna experience the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, by the end of this day, you're going to experience it. And 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 so tongues was the initial evidence. And we're gonna talk about the skeptics here in a minute. So just chillax. We're gonna to get to some of the arguments. Then we we have the sound of Holy Spirit. Then you find the sight. What did they see? They beheld and divided tongues of fire sat on them. One of the chief ways that God moves is through his fire. Somebody say fire. Fire. It's through his fire. His his fire. Number one, can I talk about the fire for a minute? Thank you for the two people who responded. Uh, Number one, he purifies in the fire. Uh, If you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, or you say you have, and, and you're not letting the fire of God purify you and consecrate you, I wonder what kind of Holy Ghost you have. Because there are days that I go to do things or there are days that I'm just minding my own business and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost just starts saying, hey, you remember this? Hey, we need to deal with this right now. It can't wait. We got to deal with this. Hey, that attitude, that mindset, that ideology, that doctrine that you've been following. Oh, yeah, we got to deal with that because I need to purify you. Your motives, your relationships, your friendships. I've got to deal with these things. And he deals with them by the fire of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3 and 12 said his winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. And gather his wheat into the barn. And he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Isaiah 48.10. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. He purifies in the fire. The second thing he does, he transforms in the fire. You say, prove it. Look at the man named Peter. A cussing, come on now, edgy, unpolished, fisherman and on the day of Pentecost when the around a campfire he couldn't stand to speak to a little girl around a coal fire he couldn't stand to say yes I believe in Jesus but on the day of Pentecost when Holy Ghost fire got a hold of him he stood up in front of thousands of people And said, Know this day that Jesus, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, this Jesus has poured out everything you see and hear. And in front of three, he couldn't handle it. But when the Holy Ghost fire got on him, in front of 3,000, he couldn't keep it in. When the Holy Ghost fire gets a hold of you, it transforms everything about you. Mm -hmm. He transforms in the fire. Can I tell you something? The Holy Ghost can do in a moment what years of counseling cannot do. I believe in counseling. I believe in therapy. But there is just something that therapists and counselors can't do that only the Holy Ghost can. There are years that doctors have prodded with needles and ran tests and asked questions and done diagnosis. They all get undone when one true moment with the Holy Ghost comes on you. The fire of God can do in one moment what others cannot do in an entire lifetime. So he transforms in the fire. He speaks in the fire. Deuteronomy 4.12 And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. The Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. The Lord, has anybody ever had the Lord speak to them? He speaks in the fire. When the fire of the Holy Ghost comes on you, he begins to minister to you and he speaks. Number four, he leads in the fire. Exodus 13 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them life. If you need direction in your life, you don't need a map. Oh, my. You don't need a GPS. Let me help somebody real good. You don't need a horoscope. You don't need a personality test. What you need is the Holy Ghost and fire. You don't need somebody to tell you their sign. That's demonic. It's from the pits of hell. You need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and in fire. And when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire, he begins to lead you in ways that you never thought possible. He begins to make clear a path before you because he leads in the fire Number five, his word is a fire. Jeremiah said his word is like a fire that is shut up in my bones. Again, it comes back to a proclamation that when the Holy Spirit came, he came on them for a proclamation, not a dance, not a shout, not a shiver, not a quiver. He came on the church for them to stand up and say that there is one Jesus and he is Lord and of his kingdom. Kingdom, there shall be no end. What about his church in the fire? Because I would submit to you that we have people who would rather be firemen and put the fire out than to just let the fire go. Let me tell you something about this Holy Ghost fire. It's a wildfire, and it'll burn up everywhere it goes. It'll burn where people want it to burn, but we got a lot of firemen. In the church, who are turning on a hose of, hey, hold on, let me help you. They're turning on a hose called control. They don't want to let the fire get too wild because then, guess what? They can't control where the fire goes. They can't control what the Holy Spirit does in a the service. They can't control how the Holy Spirit moves. And what we've got to have is not a bunch of firemen, but give me people who will say, God, whatever it looks like whatever it burns up let the fire fall whatever it takes away let the fire burn if it takes them, if it takes away my favorite song if it takes away the sound system if it takes away my Bible study if it takes away my ministry let the fire burn I don't want to get a hose cold control and put the fire out I want the fire of the Holy Ghost to burn up every inch of this church every classroom, every pew every office, every microphone, every technology let the fire of God burn in us here's why on the day of Pentecost when the fire fell Peter preached and 3000 people got saved one message 3000 people i would submit to you because we've put the fire out in churches uh, that we preach one me- we preach 3000 messages uh, and we don't see people saved we don't see people delivered we don't see people set free we don't see people baptized in the holy ghost uh, we are satisfied with coming into church uh, and checking off our religious box uh, and saying i went to church and i went home god bless me because i went to your house but where we have become complacent when there are people who are demon possessed. There are people who are demonized. There are people who are broken, who desperately need the power of the fire of the Holy Ghost. And let me just say this while I'm under the anointing. If you can't handle the fire, this church is not going to be for you. If you can't handle the fact that sometimes our services go longer than your belly can stand, this church is not going to be for you. I want the glory. I want the fire. I want the Holy Ghost. And I I don't care what the cost is. I don't care if you leave, I don't care if you stay. I don't need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and where he is honored, he will stay. So we preach. We preach, we preach, we preach. We have our great constructed series. Let me tell you something, this series we're doing is not constructed. This is the only outline I've got done. It's not constructed, it's just a focus. But there are, there are churches who plan out their whole year worship songs. What worship songs they're gonna do every Sunday. What message they're gonna preach every Sunday for the whole year, leaving absolutely no room for the Holy Spirit and that might be a way to fill churches but that's not a good way to fill people I, 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 I am more interested I would love one day to see this house full again you know why because that would mean that we're going out and we're reaching we're going out and we're doing the ministry I would love to see it but can I tell you something I am more interested in building people than I am in building a building Than I am in building a large church. God took 120 and turned the world upside down. The question is what could he do. With 500 people in Columbus. If the fire of God got a hold of us. In a real way. We become effective. In the fire. I've got to tell you this. Because some of you are in this room today. And you are who I'm going to talk about next. Because after The wind came, after tongues came, after the fire fell, then the skeptics showed up. Acts 2 and 5. And guess who they were? They were devout men. It wasn't the heathens. It It wasn't the people that didn't know him. It was the righteous men who stood up. And some of them said... What could this mean? That's an okay question. That's a question that says, I want to know more. What could this mean? But the other said, mocking, the Bible said in Acts 2 and 13, mocking, they are full of new wine. New wine. The first of the skeptics is the cynic that says, tongues... And the Holy Ghost is of the devil. In Matthew, Jesus cast out a demon. And the Pharisees said, he cast out a demon by Beelzebub. In other words, he cast out a devil by the devil. That makes zero sense. And Jesus would go on to say, if I cast a demon out of you, then know the kingdom of God has come upon you. And this is the greatest form of blasphemy, and it is the unforgivable sin, and that is the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. It is not, this is blasphemous, but this is not the worst of it. The fake speaking in tongues, the fake shouting, the fake dancing. It's irreverent. But the greatest blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is to take something God did and give credit to the devil. So when people say, well, tongues is of the devil, you better be real careful you better be real careful because you are, not, you are calling something that is holy, that is reverent, that is in the plan of God from the beginning. And you are calling it demons. Well, unto them who calls light darkness and darkness light, there's the cynics. Then, then there's the cessationist. Tongues have ceased. The gifts of the spirit have ceased. Once they canonized scripture, God stopped pouring out his spirit. And they they take scripture and and because they're deceived, they twist scripture to try and match their theology. And they they pull their wolves in sheep's clothing. I'm going to get real for a minute. Because there's some of you who are giving your ear to YouTube preachers and TikTok influencers who don't know squat about the Bible. They don't know squat about the Greek and the Hebrew and the original language. And they come off as if they do. And they're deceiving an entire generation. And they use the scripture, well, when when that which is perfect is come, we know in part, we we prophesy in part. Where there is knowledge, 1 Corinthians 13, where there is tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, general intelligence, and understanding the act of knowing, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part, we don't know it. Has anybody's knowledge stopped since they canonized scripture? Raise your hand if you stopped learning or stopped being able to know. Okay, nobody in the room. From the time of this writing, has perfection, have we attained perfection? Anybody? If you raise your hand, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. (laughs) Has anybody attained perfection? No. The next perfect thing that's about to happen is we're going to get caught up. And we're going to be in a perfect place called heaven. And guess what? In heaven, ain't nobody talking in tongues. Oh, nobody's talking in tongues. You don't need to anymore. We're going to be around the throne. Singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Perfect has not come. We've not stopped learning. So therefore, tongues cannot have ceased. Uh, Okay. Uh, And then there's... The criticism, here's a criticism that I often hear. That's just emotionalism. You don't see in the scriptures an abundance of emotional outbursts from the apostles. Okay? You don't. But I just read to you where on the day of Pentecost, they came out of the upper room and somehow... The people thought, these men are drunk. Something is not normal with these men who just came out of this upper room. We are emotional beings, but the Holy Ghost is not an emotional, uh, um, emotionalism. When, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are under the control of another. Another. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell you something. There is one thing that a drunk man and a Holy Ghost filled person have in common. They are both under the control of a different substance. One is of God one is of the devil and you can say well that's just emotionalism. That's just this. Can I tell you something? The one with an argument is at the mercy of one with an experience and you can sit there and call it emotionalism all day but the songwriter said when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me there's some of you that ought to be more emotional when you consider where you were when he found you and where you were when he picked you up and how he healed your body and how he saved your soul I dare somebody to te- I dare somebody to tell Teresa Salyers that her praise is emotional when God healed her body of chronic fatigue I dare somebody to find Steve Kinzer down in Tennessee and ask him if he's too emotional when God healed his body of stage four cancer. The one with an argument is at the mercy of one with an experience. And I can't tell you how many times that I've experienced things in the presence of the Lord that my mind can't explain, that my heart can't wrap around, that I can't know. And so to all the critics, I tell you, just give it one chance. Just get in the fire one time. Just get in the river one time. And I promise you everything will change Uh uh-huh hey another criticism tongues are just an ecstatic utterance in eastern mysticism people got into a trance-like state and they would speak syllables to words that they don't understand let me help you understand something when we speak in tongues we are not in a trance we're not in a trance it is we are under the influence the control of the holy spirit And he is praying through us. 1 Corinthians 14 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets as the spirit gives the utterance. Then the third criticism is that it's just gibberish. I want you to understand something because this tongue in Acts chapter 2 was a real language. The Bible said they came out of the upper room, and the men were saying to one another, we can hear our own languages. We can hear. They're not from my region, but they're speaking my language. And and, and so the the criticism is that it's gibberish. Let me me defunct that for you. Uh, It's estimated that there are over 6,000 languages on the earth and multiple thousands of different dialects. So... How can anyone who cannot speak every language judge whether something is gibberish or not? I know this is going to shock some of you because you think you know everything. You can't. You can't. Here's my last point. We're going to pray. We have the sound, we have the sights, we have the skeptics. And then we have the recipients. Who? Is eligible for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, 38. Repent and let every one of you be baptized for the remission of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Lord. For the promise is unto you. Somebody say me. Unto your children. I said unto your children. And to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Who's the baptism available for? Born again believers. Everybody who's been saved. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is preceded by a clean heart that has been washed in the blood. Not just a clean heart that's been washed in the blood, but a heart that has been consecrated. Because God and evil cannot dwell in the same place. Bible said if you being good know how to give if you being evil know how to give good gifts how much more will your father in heaven not give you the Holy Ghost to them who ask one scripture he said he gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey come on out y'all gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey and today I ask you the question, have you received since you have believed? And if you have received, do you need another baptism? Do you need him to do it again? Stand on your feet all over the room. Head bowed, eyes closed, lift your hands and give him worship for just a moment. Open your mouth and worship Him. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. I believe some of you are leaving today changed. By the power of the Holy Spirit.